So uh, the group left this morning at 5.15. I see some of you are dragging a little bit like Sherry and I are, up since 3.30. Yes, you gotta love that. Uh, we wanna keep praying for them. Uh, and next week, we're praying for a group at nine o'clock that's going to Milwaukee. That's a middle school group, about 45 people, I think, is going to that. And then we have a group of students the same age as what's gone this week. They're going to Guatemala. I think there are 15 of them. So we want to, we have a full summer. And you see this, this empty rows here are brought to you by our missions trip. <laughs> and uh, so uh, we're very thankful for them. They're going to First Baptist this morning. Yeah. Going to Big Baptist there in Canova, all right? 39 years ago, I preached my first sermon there. And uh, yeah, that makes me really old. That's true. Do the math. And so thankful for uh, them to have the chance uh, to do that. They were in an Ironton. I just had, I can, I'm a little bit, you know how you have your own, with Apple, you have your account and you can do find my phone. So yes, with my kids, I can check where they are. So I was checking where my daughter was, and she was in Ironton. Ironton's only about 45 minutes out from Canova, so they're in good shape. They'll make it on time. And we're thankful to be here today. I want us to continue. We're in this um, stuff of legends where we're talking and looking at stories in the Bible where God showed up. And today is another opportunity for us to look at someone in the Bible who joined God in what he was doing and how God showed up with them. So if you have your Bible, I want you to turn to Nehemiah today. Nehemiah chapter 4, uh, verse 6. Now we know that the children of Israel came out of Egypt. They were given their promised land. Last week we talked about how Joshua was the new leader and that God touched him for this battle. And we know that they come into the land that God promised Abraham they have a place, they have a promise, they have his presence. But they were warned way back in Deuteronomy, don't forsake the Lord, don't forget the Lord, worship no other God. And they did. Over time, they, they did not listen to God's voice. And so we know that in 721, there was the Assyrians who took the ten tribes into a captivity, and then we know a couple of centuries later in 586, Judah, the, the, the southern tribe, were taken into the Babylonian captivity for about 70 years. And all at once, as they are free, uh, Nehemiah is so burdened by Jerusalem being ransacked. And, and for, yes, the temple's been rebuilt, but the years go by, and it's like, but have you seen the walls? And so there's, there's this sense for Nehemiah. So I could talk to you today out of Nehemiah. I could talk to you about vision, how it's important for you to have a vision of what God wants in your life. And so Nehemiah, he realizes what's happened. And, he's, and so I could talk to you as well about prayer because Nehemiah, when he sees that and he realizes that that's happened, he catches a vision of what God could do uh, with his life and his leadership, and he prays, and God answers his prayer. I could also talk to you about leadership. I could talk to you, Nehemiah is a great example of leadership and how 
Nehemiah reacts to each situation. But I want to talk to you today about problems. All of us have problems. And all of us have a story. And you might be newly married or you might have been married for 30 years or 50 years. You might be 15 or you might be 75. All of us have that in common. So I want to talk, I want us to read this passage and I want to talk to you about and what, see what we can learn from the Bible about overcoming uh, obstacles in our life. When we have setbacks, what do we do? Verse 6 in chapter 4. The narrative reads, So we built the wall, and all the wall was joined together to half its height, for the people had a mind to work. Think about that. They see that the walls are torn down. Jerusalem's a mess. And they've already got it built back halfway. But when Sanballat and Tobiah and the Arabs and the Ammonites and the Ashdodites, you know, heard of the repairing of the walls of Jerusalem was going forward and that the breaches were beginning to be closed, they were very angry. And they all plotted together to come and fight against Jerusalem and to cause confusion in it. And we prayed that our God and set a guard. We prayed to our God and we set a guard as a protection against them day and night. In Judah, it was said, the strength of those who bear the burdens is failing. There is too much rubble. By ourselves, we will not be able to rebuild the wall. And our enemies, our enemies said this, they will not know or see till we come among them and kill them and stop the work. At that time, the Jewish people who lived nearby came from every direction. And they said to us, Ten times. You must return to us. So I want us to look, just like Nehemiah, I want us to look at the things that will make you give up. When things happen in your life and there are setbacks in your life, I want us to look this morning at the things that can cause discouragement and that can cause us to give up. Here's the first one, and that's this. When something takes longer than anticipated, when you grow weary, when something takes much longer than you thought it was going to. And this causes, for all of us, fatigue. We set our course. We think that this is what God's called us to. Or we have a battle, or we have a situation in our life, or we have uh, this calling on our life, and we, we want to do it, but then something takes longer than expected. Verse 10 says, they said, we're tired and worn out. We can't keep up the pace. I mean, it's happening fast. What they're doing is happening fast, but here's the problem. They, their, their problems outpace their progress. They are working. It's going great. 
But the problems that they have around them are outpacing the progress. They said they were tired. Here's something for all of us, and I've been talking about this a lot this year. Our best requires rest. I know that there are seasons in life when we are busy. But even there's a guy named by the name of Patrick Taylor. He's not really a guy that many people think of kindly. He wrote uh, about this terms, and some of you may know this better than I do, of scientific management, where he looked at workers, especially in assembly situations, and workers who labored hard, and he tried to make it a science. And he, and he, he, he looked at how people work together, and he, he tried to make it sort of a science. And here's what's interesting. Even that guy who dehumanized people said, people need breaks. People can't just work for countless hours without a break. You know, all of us are built. On the, on the seventh day, we are even to rest because we need a break. And let me tell you something. When you get discouraged, when things take longer than you anticipated, then you grow very fatigued. God, in his word, Deuteronomy 25, 18, we read, never forget how the Amalekites, they attacked you when you were exhausted and weary, and they struck, they, they struck down those who began to lag behind. So many people here might be saying, how long, how long? I want to encourage you today. That's one of the things that happens. You get tired because things take longer than you anticipated them. So many of us, you might be like me, I, I've got a conundrum because I'm a pretty impatient person too. So that's a bad mix. Here's the second thing. When something is more complicated than you thought it was going to be, that is another reason. And here, instead of being fatigued, you get frustrated. You get frustrated when things are more complicated than what you thought they would be. Look here uh, in verse 10. Besides that, there is so much rubble and trash to be removed. So here's a new work. They're building the walls. God calls him back. Here they are. They're on a pretty good pace. Well, they're working. They can't keep up the pace. And part of the problem is they got the old stuff laying around. There's a lot of rubble from the old wall is sitting there and they're having to work around that and there's so much rubble and there's such a pace and they're trying to work at such a fast pace. Nobody took the time to get rid of the old rubble. Yesterday when I, uh, I had the occasion to do a, a wedding over at, in, in, um, at a park and uh, we, they set up like about, seemed like about 60 chairs. There was nothing else except the 60 chairs and we were under a tree. And so the whole wedding started. So we, we come up, the guys come up, and we're standing there. And then the ladies come down. And there we are. We're just, just us under the tree, the grass. That was it. It's so interesting because it seems so simple. But I knew, because I've been married for 30 years, and I've been around long enough, that there was rubble right there at that altar. Because marriage, if I don't know anything else, marriage is complicated. Marriage is complicated. And I know that there was no visible rubble, but you know, you bring two people together and there are about nine major areas in marriage. 
that create complications. Everything from your family of origin to your own personality, to your extended family, to both of your faith issues. There's all these issues that cause these complications. And each one of us brings that to our marriage. And then you put those two things along with family, then whoo! I mean, that is complicated. It gets complicated. And I want to encourage you today, life is messy. It just comes with a certain amount of rubble. And we see not only like in marriage can get complicated, but in our own family, in our extended family, there can be a lot of rubble. Uh, there can be rubble in our work. You know, so many times I've heard, I've actually heard people talk about church and ministry. I was with a pastor one time. He looked at me across the table. We we're having breakfast. He said, you know, church would be great if it wasn't for all the problems with the people. I'm like, this is all, this, this is it right here, people. And it's true. It's complicated. Work in your situation can be complicated. There are different issues in life, and it can become complicated. And that causes frustration. Look at them. They have all this rubble. And God's trying to do a new thing. They're trying to build a new wall, and that may be for you. I'm, there they were having that covenant yesterday. I do. I will. They were all excited, but it's complicated because there's some rubble. And these people were trying to build a new thing, restore something that God had promised, and the rubble was everywhere. I want to encourage you, don't let old rubble keep you from what God is building new in you. I want to encourage you today. Life does get complicated. but I And you know what? It's, here's a couple of things I, I, I just want to encourage you today. You know, it's part of life. It's a part of life. But here's the second thing. You have to clean up periodically. You got to clean up because if you don't, if you don't keep that clean a little bit, if you don't deal with it, it'll take over. So I want to encourage you, you know, pay attention. And here's another thing that I've seen. As your life, if you have rubble laying around and your life gets too complicated, other people will see it, but you won't. You'll get so used to it, you hardly even notice it. But other people see that you drink. Other people see that you have a problem. Other people will see it, but you won't even notice the rubble. So it's important for us. Psalm 25, verse 16 says, Come, Lord, and show me your mercy, for I feel helpless, overwhelmed, and in deep distress. That's a good scripture. Here's the third thing. Um, when you start to doubt your own ability. You know, that's so many times what happens when things get complicated, when they take longer. By the way, this is marriage right here, till death do us part. I mean, when things take a long time and they're complicated, and what happens? You start doubting yourself. And you know what this brings on? A sense of failure. You might be fatigued. You might be frustrated. And then all at once you start talking to yourself like this. Boy, I don't know why I even thought. I don't know what I was thinking I could do this. Why did I ever? And you start talking to yourself. We read in verse 10, the people said, we now realize that we cannot finish the wall. 
we will never be able to finish it. And, you know, I, I, I realized that, you know, we talk, and I probably struggle with this one more than anything else. When things get a little complicated and think, take too long, I, I, start, I start talking to myself. I say stuff to myself I would never say to somebody else. One time I was playing ping pong with a guy. I was a lot younger. It's a lot of, long time ago. And I'm kind of hard on myself when I play ping pong. When I, when I compete with anything, I, I'm harder on myself than anybody else. And you wouldn't believe what I say to myself. So I'm playing and everything. Every time I'd miss somebody, I'd say, that's stupid. Wow, what are you doing? You know, come on, Johnny. You know, and I come play a little bit and everything. And it's like, oh, you're an idiot. What is wrong with you? I would never walk up to someone and say, you're an idiot. How stupid are you? I would never say that to other people. But you know what? So many times I'll say that to myself. And that's not really healthy. That's not healthy. So many times we get in the middle of really complicated stuff and we, we, things come up against us and we get discouraged and we want to give up. And part of it is we start doubting our own ability. But you know what? We're not alone. In fact, I want to just show you a few very, very pop people that you'll hear. You'll know who they are. Uh, I just want to show you one quote from a, a, a man. Maybe you know who it is. Thomas Edison, the, the tremendous inventor. Many of life's failures are people who did not. Many of life's failures are people who did not realize how close they were to success when they gave up. You know, just being faithful, just keeping at it is so important. That's something really important. There's another guy you might have heard of, Abraham Lincoln. You know the reason that he rose in success to be the president is because in 1858, he got beat by a guy named Douglas. And, and there were these famous debates between, they were actually called the Lincoln-Douglas debates. And these debates became so popular and his speaking ability became so renowned that he, uh, it boosted him to an election. Well, there's another, some of you guys that are younger, uh, you kind of grown up with Harry Potter. Well, there's also J.K. Rowling. And you might have known know who she is. She wrote the Harry Potter stuff. She's swimming in a pool someplace full of money. Uh, it's ridiculous how many billions of dollars that stuff's made. She was speaking at Harvard, and she said this. She said, Failure meant a stripping away of the inessential. I stopped pretending to myself that I was anything other than what I was and began to direct all my energy to finishing the only work that mattered to me. Here she is. She's on welfare. She is divorced. She's a single mom. She has one daughter. And she's, she is writing this book. Had I really succeeded at anything else, I might have never found the determination to succeed in the one area where I truly belonged. I was set free because my greatest fear had been realized and I was still alive. I still had my daughter who I adored and I had an old typewriter and a big idea. So at rock bottom, I became a, sol I became a solid foundation on which I rebuilt my life. But so many times when we come up against obstacles, so many of us, we want to give up. And just like the people of Israel who had built the wall halfway, so many times we get 
into it, and then we start doubting ourselves. We start doubting our call. We start doubting. Here's the fourth thing, and that is when opposition grows stronger than you expected. When opposition grew strong. Meanwhile, our enemies are threatening to kill us in order to stop the work. I love this part. Then those who live closest to us, our enemies, in the villages around Jerusalem, outside the walls, all of those people who were Jewish were coming to them and saying, you guys are in trouble. They're going to come and kill you. And then the headlines on the post and mail was, children of Israel are in trouble. That was the word. The people who are at work are in trouble. And you know what this causes? It causes fear. It causes us to be afraid. And so the people, even friends, were dropping by, and they came nearby to say, hey, you need to stop this unprofitable venture that you're doing. Today, I want us to look at Nehemiah, and I want us to look what should I do when I feel like giving up? So the rest of the time, I want us to look at that. And I, I don't want you to ever forget the, whenever you're, you're going through, when you're, when you're tempted to give up, remember this, I've, I know I've said this a dozen times, halt, remember, halt, uh, stop. H is for hungry, when you're hungry. A is for when you're angry. L is when you're lonely. And T is when you're tired. It's, that's a bad time for you to make a major decision like giving up. But sometimes it's good to stop. And the first thing we see with Nehemiah, what he does is, and I would encourage you, reorganize whatever is not working. Nehemiah says what we're doing is not working. We're going to have to kind of stop here and reorganize. Look at verse 13. So in the lowest parts of the space behind the wall, in open places, I stationed the people by their clans with their swords and their spears and their bows. Notice he puts people together because people are willing to fight for their family. And he does that. And he reorganizes the whole thing. I want to encourage you today. Sometimes you got to clean out the stuff. Sometimes you got to reorganize your life. And I want to encourage you today. I want you to pray this week and, and think about the things in your life that, so, that don't seem to be working in your life. And maybe it's time for you to stop and to think about how you're doing things. Ask God to clarify your goals, making sure your goals align with his will. And ask for guidance in making them fruitful and meaningful and sustainable. Sherry and I, a lot of times, things will be happening around us and sometimes, like, silly things like your grass. And we'll talk about, hey, I need to go out and we need to work on the grass. And I have this little line I'm always telling her. I'm not grassing, I'm not, I'm not grassing. I am not growing grass. I am raising kids. And we have to try to keep things first, first things first in our life. And here's one of the things about all this, and it's something I actually said to the couple yesterday when we were standing there at that altar, and that was this. Life is fluid. Life does not stay the same. My, I do not parent my 26-year-old the way I parent my 11-year-old. 
And I do not, you know, so many times, hey, all of us are reaching for the cruise control, aren't we? We all get married, we start having kids, let's hit the cruise control and let's be like this the rest of our life. Here's the issue, and Sherry and I have learned this over the years, you have to pay attention to what's going on, to the new things that are happening in your life. You can't act the way you did 10 years ago. You've got to stay alert and be clear. You have to reorganize your life. Let me give you a small example in ministry. So my wife, we have, we've, Sherry has been pregnant five times. We have one in heaven and four here on earth. And um, every time she would get pregnant and we would be, you know, we'd be in student ministry, man. We're just having a great time and everything. Oh, oh Sherry's, Sherry's pregnant. We're going to have a baby. Well, you know what that meant? That means she was going on youth ministry sabbatical for a year or two. Oh, and I'd be a red-hot mess. I'd be like, oh, she's not here. Oh, we're not together in ministry. Oh, no, I don't even know if I want to be in ministry if we can't be together. This is just not the same. And I, I know I'm a little bit of a freak, but I, I want to... But it's true. We'd be like, oh, we don't, we're not doing it together. That's the way we did it. That's the way we had fun. That was what we were. And I had to, like, yo, man, pump the brakes. It's okay. Life is fluid. Life is not, maybe there's a things. And I want you to encourage you. Look around you. Keep first things first. Reorganize some stuff. Maybe there's some stuff you always did that you love, you got emotionally attached to. But you might have to be like, okay, things have changed. God's building something new. This has become a little rubble. It's getting in a way. We've got to reorganize. Here's the second thing, and the most important, actually, of the day, and that is refocus on God. You see this in verse 14. And I looked and I arose. So as a leader, Nehemiah's like, and I looked and I arose and said to the nobles and to the officials and to the rest of the people, do not be afraid of them. Remember the Lord, who is great and awesome, and fight for your brothers, your sons, and your daughters your wives, and your homes. He looked around over the whole situation. He called together leaders, and he said, don't be afraid of the enemy. Remember the Lord. Focus on God. I want to encourage you today to refocus your life on God. So many times we can be so busy um, doing things for God that we actually forget God. We can be doing, trying to do things and trying to, to do great things that we even forget to refocus our lives on him. Jonah, chapter two, verse seven, Jonah says, when I had lost all hope, I turned my thoughts once again to the Lord. Y'all remember King David at the pinnacle of this nation, God's chosen people. David says, I'm completely discouraged. Revive me by your word, O Lord. So I want to encourage you, start a new season of refocusing on God in prayer and the word in your personal disciplines. And not only that, some of you, we're kind of reorganizing this summer. I want you to determine in your heart that this fall, you will dive in and refocus on God and maybe do something you've never done. And that is join a small group or maybe become involved in a, in a 
a, a Bible study of some kind. I want to encourage you to refocus on God this morning. Nehemiah said that. Remember the Lord who is great. The last thing is, I want to encourage you to resist discouragement. Resist discouragement. Verse 14 again. And I looked and arose and said to the nobles and to the officials and to the rest of the people, do not be afraid of them. You know, there's so many things that are distracting and discouraging in our lives that I want to encourage you here today to resist that discouragement. And that's something that Sherry is constantly doing for me because she calls me Eeyore a lot. Sometimes I get a little bluesy and I get discouraged. So she has to encourage me to resist discouragement. I want to encourage you to resist discouragement. Remember the Lord. Do not be afraid of them. And I want to encourage you, do not be afraid. Life, I know that life can get complicated. I know that you can grow weary because things take longer than you thought. I know you can grow weary because of all of the having the sense of like, you know, I, I'm not enough. But I want to encourage you today to resist discouragement. And we can learn from Nehemiah here. Do not be afraid of them. Remember the Lord. Do not be afraid of what you're going through. Remember the Lord. The Lord. One of the things that today as we join here is we know that Jesus Christ, now we look back on the Old Testament and we see, we see how God provided for Nehemiah, but we know that he walked through a very hard situation. But now we know because of the fulfillment of the Old Testament that Jesus has come and that he has made it possible for us to have a relationship with him and to walk in boldness, we have the powering of the Holy Spirit inside of us, and we have the Word of God to guide us. And so it's not a self-help. This isn't self-help. This isn't you, you know, you got to watch how you talk to yourself. But this isn't just self-help. This is also us looking to the Lord. Refocus on God. In fact, would you read this with me? This is James 4-7. I want us to read this together. This might be something you might even want to memorize this week. Read it with me. So humble yourself before God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Let's say it like we mean it this time. So humble yourselves before God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Do it one more time. So humble yourselves before God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. I know for many of you, you have things coming against you, whether it's marriage or family or work or situations where you grow weary. Humble yourself before God. Resist the devil who comes to kill, steal, and destroy, and he will flee from you. I pray today that you'll hear that. Father, I thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord, that you don't leave us alone that you're after us and that your word is true, we can trust in you. 
Lord, I know that there are many situations in this room, many stories in this room where people are holding on to you today. I pray, Father, that you would bless every effort for people to hold on to you. I pray, Lord, that the glory of the Lord would rise among us and that, Lord, we would be a people who trust in you. Lord, I pray against discouragement today. I pray, Lord, that each person here would resist discouragement, Lord, that you would help each person here as they resist the discouragement. Father, I pray that you would help them even today as they think about different parts of their life and the things they need to say yes to and no to. But mostly, Lord, help us today to refocus on you. I pray that in Jesus' name, amen.